Amen. You can have a seat. You know, this is the, that little time of the year when we're still eating Thanksgiving leftovers and we're decorating the Christmas tree, right? So we're doing a little of that this morning in that our building looks like Christmas and it looks awesome. Thank the ladies who worked on that. And also, I'm finishing up our, our Thanksgiving sermon series, so I'm a week behind, I guess. But I wanted to spend one more week thinking about this secret art of giving thanks. And hopefully you had some time to do some Thanksgiving this week beyond eating turkey and uh, watching a parade and a football game and all that stuff, but that you had a few minutes to think through what God has done for you over the past year. And, and we have talked about that there are various forms of Thanksgiving and that Scripture speaks to those. And sometimes we don't try some of them, but they really are there and can help us develop a deep sense of Thanksgiving in our lives. So we talked about giving thanks for others and to others by encouraging them. We talked about giving thanks to God through worship and last week through our financial stewardship. So taking care of what God has given us and using it for Him. So we talked through that and, and, and giving sometimes can be a challenging topic to think through and it, it makes us rethink how we use what God has given us. But if there's one resource that in some ways is in shorter supply in our culture than money itself, it's time. Because with our schedules being so busy with work and community activities, church, and then our kids or grandkids are going in 12 different directions and we've got to keep up with all of that, it seems like we just don't have very much extra time. So if somebody says, we need you to help out and you can either volunteer for this many hours or you can give some money, we pull out the checkbook because it's easier to give money than it is to give time because time is in such short supply for so many of us. And I think the way we think about time and the way we use our time has changed a bit in the last few years. Uh, we noticed that after COVID, after we walked through the pandemic, churches and community organizations are seeing that people use their time in different ways. Like, right, we went through that time where, man, we had all kinds of time, right? Because we were all at home and we quit doing a lot of stuff, but then things began to reopen and we moved past all that. But what many churches are finding across our nation is that people are not willing to give as much of their time for worship or for volunteering. We think about our time differently. And community organizations are finding the same thing, that people just don't show up as much for stuff that's going on in the community and are not willing to put in as many hours serving in the community. Now, I don't pretend to understand the whys of all that, okay? And my guess is that sociologists and psychologists are gonna be studying that for decades to come. But all I know is that I see that dynamic at work. We feel like we don't have as much time to give. And then we think about what God has called us to be and to do as the church. And we have to balance this and figure out our time commitments and what God has called us to do. Now, to get at that today, I want us to turn to passage that we've looked at throughout this series in The Secret Art of Giving Thanks, and we find it in Colossians. It's this passage Paul wrote to this church in Colossae, never visited, didn't found like lots of the churches that we know of in the New Testament. But yet he wanted to explain to them what happens, at least in part, when you're baptized. That's what a big chunk of this letter is about. What changes from before you're baptized to after you're baptized? And as we come down to Colossians 3, 15 through 17, what we find is that Paul is summing a lot of that thinking up 
And it has a lot to do with thanksgiving. So, we've read these each week, and I want us to read one more time and hear what Paul has to say. So, verse 15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Now, he's saying, listen, because of the cross, the way that you get along with one another changes. The peace of Christ is what rules between you, all right? Paul is talking to the community of faith. He's talking to the body of Christ. And in many ways throughout Colossians, he is. We hear you and think Paul's talking just to me, but he's talking to us. And certainly we see that dynamic work at work in this verse because he's saying the peace that Christ creates is the peace that you have between you. And then the last phrase, and give thanks. So in the midst of that body life, we give thanks. He continues that thought in verse 16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Again, he's speaking to when we get together. When Christians come together for worship and for helping one another grow, and we do that at the same time, our songs teach each other, we have teaching in our gatherings, Paul says that helps us grow as the body, and he says do it with gratitude. So when we gather together, we have gratitude in our hearts for each other and the many blessings that God has given us. Okay, so be thankful, have gratitude in your gatherings, and then verse 17, which we focused on last week, and really will this week as well. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through Him. So whatever you do, whether it's your words or whether it's your actions, do it in the name of Jesus. And in the midst of all that as well, be thankful. Now last week we took that command, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, and said, okay, what we're saying is you do the right things for the right reasons. And part of that is how we handle our money. Because how we handle our money, our stuff, says a lot about our relationship with God. We can't really relate to God without thinking about that part of our lives. But this passage clearly speaks to more than that, right? It's not just about financial stewardship. Remember, a steward is when one person takes care of the belongings of another person and uses them for the good of the owner. That's what we're called to do. To use the things, the stuff that God has given us for His glory. Do it in the name of Jesus and be thankful. But it's more than just the stuff. Because God has given us all kinds of resources. And one of those resources is our time. And alongside that, closely related, is our talent, our ability, what we know how to do. So, what is Paul saying to us? First, what was he saying to the church in Colossae? And what is he saying to us about how we use our time and our talent? Well, I think a great place to look to understand that is in another of Paul's letters, and we find that in Romans chapter 12. Now, in some ways, Romans is a little bit like Colossians because Paul did not found the church in Rome. He had never visited the church in Rome when he wrote the letter. And so he's writing to a group of strangers, much like he did to the Christians in Colossae. He knew some Christians there, but most of them he did not. And Paul is dealing with an interesting dynamic in the church in Rome. 
Now remember, you've got, I mean, this is the center of the Western world in the, in the ancient times, right? This is just where everything happens. This is the capital of the Roman Empire. So people came from all over the Roman Empire to Rome and really mixed in together. And you've got a church there. Now that church is composed of people from everywhere. And it is composed of both Jews and Gentiles. Now remember, before these people became Christians, they look different, they're speaking different languages, they have different religious customs, but now they're all followers of Jesus. And especially between Jews and Gentiles, they would have had nothing to do with one another. The Jews would have considered everyone else unclean, we don't do business with them, we don't deal with them, we stay separate. But here they are now Christians. And they are all part of the church. How do they relate to one another? How can Jews and Gentiles both be part of the church? And much of Romans is written about just that. In fact, it opens thinking about those kinds of issues. And here in chapter 12, 12 chapters later, Paul's still talking about that. And he's saying, yes, we are very different backgrounds, different languages, different religious customs, but now you're the church. And with that in mind, here's what Paul says. Romans chapter 12, verse 5, or verse 4, excuse me. For just as each one of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function. So Paul's setting up a comparison, right? He's saying, just like you got a body, and it's only one body, right? You don't have two bodies. You got one, and it's made up of members, parts, that are all different, Knees are not like fingers and ears are not like toes. They are very different with different functions. Okay, just like that. Then it comes to the church, verse 5. So in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to all the others. Paul says we are, even though we're different, we are members, we are attached, we are part of one living organism. And the truth is, we are very different. Just like a body has very different members, things that don't look at all like one another and have hugely different functions, as members of the church, we are still part of that same body. Now, as an aside, this is how we understand what church membership means. In our culture, when we think about membership, we think about joining some kind of civic club, or we're going to join the gym, and our name goes on some kind of roll somewhere in a computer or on paper, and we pay dues, and that gives us certain rights and privileges, okay, and maybe responsibilities. That is not what membership means in the church. When we say, I want to be a member of the church, we are saying, I want to be part of a living body. I want to be attached to that body. I want to perform my function. I want to do my thing. And so it is not just a formal, hey, write my name down and I'll send a check every month. It is, I want to be part of this. And Paul says, listen, because we are a body, we are dependent on one another. And this is what that looks like. Verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given us, given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. 
If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Paul's point is, listen, just like every part of the body has a function, each one of you, as members of Jesus' body, has a function, a purpose. And you are called to fulfill that purpose. Now, if we think about the human body, Every part's important, right? I mean, you got to have a heart, you got to have lungs, different function, very different look, but both needed. And in, in the church, we have different functions. We are not all the same. In fact, none of us are the same. And yet the church needs what you bring to the body. And when some of us say, you know what? I'm not going to use my gift. I'm not going to use my function. I'm not going to fulfill my responsibility. The body suffers. Paul says we're one. We're together. We're attached to one another. We're united. And we are dependent on one another. We need every single one of us to fulfill our purpose. And then he lays them out. Now, what we find is that Paul has various lists of giftedness throughout his letters. And they're not identical. And I don't think any one of them is exhaustive. Paul is just laying out, these are some things that God does gift people to do, like prophecy. You say, well, I don't think we got a prophet in our church. But in the New Testament, and really throughout Scripture, what a prophet does is speak for God. Delivers a message for God. So when you deliver a message for God, especially something that maybe someone hasn't heard before, that's prophecy. All right? It's not just foretelling the future. It is speaking a message for God. And we have the words of God in Scripture that we have the opportunity to speak to other people. Now, people in New Testament times knew it was dangerous to be a prophet because sometimes God called prophets to speak difficult truths that people did not want to hear. In the Old Testament, lots of people got strung up because they were prophets, okay? And yet, God's word, God's message needs to go out. So Paul says, do it according to the faith, which is what is passed down to us, the faith that we have. Prophesy according to that. Then he says, maybe your gift is serving, right? Well, that seems a little bit unexpected because we think every Christian should serve. And that's true. We all have an opportunity and a responsibility to serve people in need. But I bet there's somebody even in this room right now that you could look at and say, you know, we all serve, but that person is different. I've seen them serve other people and I can tell they love it. They are called to do it. It's part of who they are is serving people who are in need. Those people have a special gift of service and that's important to the church. Paul says there are some who are teachers and those, that's people who take God's word and, and speak from it and teach the eternal truths that we find there. And maybe you look through this list and you say, I don't think I could be that person who stands up in front and speaks a word for God or teaches. There are a lot of things that can be done in the name of Jesus Christ. And some of them are very quiet, like serving. Paul lists giving here. Okay, They don't have to be done in public, but they can still be done in the name of the Lord Jesus, which is what Paul says in Colossians 3. We go on down that list and see some things that are surprising to us. Encouraging, we talked about that early in this series. Giving, giving generously, and then leading. 
Leading's not always easy. It takes its toll. Requires a lot of discernment. Requires wisdom. Requires courage. And yet, Paul says the church needs that. The church needs good leaders. And the last one is to show mercy. And that doesn't seem to fit the model. Everything else seems to be doing something. And we're all called to forgive, right? But, but I think there are Christians with that special calling to deal with someone who says, you know what, I messed up my life and I want to make it better. And they try, and then they mess up again. Now, some Christians will say, you know what, I've tried to work with you and I can't go any further. But there are some who will say, let's start over. And the person messes up again. And that, that Christian who can show mercy says, I know, but let's try again. Let's keep trying till we figure it out. Each one of those gifts is different, but we're all different. And the Christians in Rome were all very different. And the church then and the church now needs people to exercise those gifts. So what's the message for us as we bring this series to a close? What's the message for us from what Paul says here in Colossians chapter 3 and says in Romans chapter 12? I think it's sort of similar to what we talked about last week, that our stewardship demonstrates thanksgiving. When we use our gifts, we are showing God that we are thankful that He's blessed us with those gifts. We are taking the responsibility He's giving and we're using it. So I would just say it simply, to give God what you've got, to give yourself, to give what you can do. And yes, we're busy and it seems like we don't have enough time. It's true. But when when these things are given to us by God, we would not have time, we would not have life itself without God. And we would not look forward to eternal, eternal life without God's blessing. It changes our perspective. And you know, there are people in our church, I mean, they know what it means to use their gifts. And they do a lot of stuff. And some stuff you'll never even know about, right? Because they do it quietly. No one's around. They don't call attention to themselves. You would only know what they're doing if they stopped doing it. And then you'd realize it. And I love those people. People in the room like that right now. But maybe some of you have just not gotten there yet, and that's okay. But it's time to think about, am I using any of the gifts that God has given me? Maybe I'm using those gifts at work. Awesome. I'm using them in the community as we should. I'm using them in my family. Absolutely. But are you using them in God's service? Maybe in the church, maybe somewhere else. But I would encourage you to think about that. As as part of the body, we have responsibilities. We have these gifts that we're called to use. And I would encourage you first to pray about it. To pray that God would show you. Maybe you don't even know. Maybe you're thinking, I don't have anything that I know how to use. Well, you do, you just don't realize it yet. Because God has gifted every member with something to do in the church. So pray about God showing you what it is, showing you where you can use it, and giving you the courage, the time, everything you need to make that happen. And then I would say second, try some ministry on for size. You know, uh, just a few weeks ago, we had our Say Yes Sunday, and many of you made your way to the fellowship hall, and, and you saw ministries you didn't even know were going on in the life of our church. And the good news is we've had a good group of people who have signed up for ministry teams and are getting involved in ministry. And it's been a really good thing for our church, but maybe you're still thinking about that. You didn't put your name down because you weren't sure. Or maybe you weren't here that day and 
you just haven't figured out where you could do ministry, well, talk to me. Talk to one of our elders. We'll be glad to put you in touch with a ministry team leader. Or you can just try. You don't have to say I'm going to do it forever. Just show up for a meeting, a ministry team meeting. Or try to be part of some event that that team is planning. And just see, you know, does this, does this fit me? Is this part of who I am? Is this how I can express my talent and use my time in the ministry of the church? And then I would say, commit to some form of ministry. Decide I'm going to do this. I'm going to fulfill who I am in the life of this body. I'm going to be part of what's going on here and make a difference. You know, we've talked about different ways to show our thanks. And one of them is to use what we've got and one of them is to use ourselves. And in that, we, we thank God by saying, God, I, I appreciate what you've given me, and I'm going to be a steward. I'm going to use what really ultimately belongs to you, whether it's my time or my talent or my money or my stuff or anything else. And it's sort of easy to think about that in November, right? We're reminded of Thanksgiving every November, and that's why we've talked about it this month. But it's my hope that we'll take this beyond this Thanksgiving season. We'll begin our Christmas series next week, but take this beyond Thanksgiving and allow this sense of giving thanks to be part of February and to be part of May and July and make Thanksgiving more than just trying to remember that God's done some stuff and I need to put that on my list and thank Him. Nothing wrong with that. We should do that, but but to actually express our thanksgiving to God by using what He's given us. Because every single one of us has been blessed. Let's pray together. God, we're thankful for the way that You've blessed us with something to do that we can offer to other people. Some of those things are up front that people will see. Some no one will know about. God, that's okay because... We know we're not all the same. We don't bring the same things into this room or the same things to ministry. God, we just want to bring glory to you in what we do. We want to do what we do in the name of Jesus. So God, we pray that you'll help us to know what we can do, help us to find the time, and give us the courage to take it on. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.